0: Greetings, everybody. Thank you uh, so much for joining us tonight. My name's Raj. Um, Most of you probably know me, although, you know, I can imagine there's a few people who don't. Uh, I'm part of Jubilee Church Teesside uh, and um, together um, part of our New Frontiers Christchurch family. I'm also presuming from the names that I can see <laughs> uh, that there might be some others on this call from other church families or maybe even other denominations. Uh, you are very welcome here tonight. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, join us today. Uh, right at the outset, I want to highlight that wherever you are on this journey, multi-colored, multi-ethnic churches, whether you have two. You are on God's certain path for a change. And I believe we are uh, to be proactive about it. And more than that, excited about what God is doing. Uh, a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb is the trajectory of God in his church. And he is starting uh, where you are right now. Uh, we're all in, as it were, in this Revelation Seven Church plan. So, uh, welcome tonight. Twenty-three years ago, when I first set foot in uh, one of our Teesside uh, Sunday meetings as a very nominal Hindu, back then I was uh, f- I, w- I was the first and only darker-skinned person in our congregation. Now, by the grace of God, we're a church of between thirty and fifty percent of our Sunday attendance is ethnically mixed. Teesside itself is about 11% non-white. So God is doing something in the church. God is doing this, I believe, in our towns and cities across the globe. And He has, if he hasn't done it in your town yet, he will. He will. Um, so for those of you who are new to uh, the multicolored church, This multicolored church is is a relatively new initiative of our uh, New Frontiers Christ uh, Christ Central family to resource, not financially, resource, uh, support, prayer, and encourage all of us in the UK as we seek God in in the the building and planting of increasingly multi-ethnic congregations. This is is only our second Envision night. Uh, These are evenings where hopefully we can gather, pray, stimulate and encourage uh, one another about the importance and the joy of diversity in our churches. Going forward, we'll probably run about two or three of these a year. They are deliberately online to increase access as best as possible um, we And uh, Simon has just been relearning all of his Zoom skills for tonight, um, since we haven't been doing this for a while. Um, these evenings are for everyone. Please advertise them, if you like, in your church notices as they come out on our Christ Central website. So that, that's Zoom and Vision Nights. That said, meeting in person is also really important too, isn't it? And so early next year, we are planning on running a whole day Multicolored church equipping and teaching event here on Teesside for everyone in all of our churches. This will be uh, with the help of many of you will know Rosie Hopley from Bristol and Owen Hilton from Brixton, London, who have pioneered this teaching program that gets to the heart of racial reconciliation and the hurdles and opportunities of building multi-ethnic church. They have successfully ran this theological and very practical event now a few times down south and have kindly offered to help deliver it here on Teesside for all of us. It's a real, it's, it, 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 it will be a fantastic day. So watch this space. Again, that is for everybody in our churches. Um, across Christ Central. The other thing that we have just embarked on in terms of um, um, in, in terms of booking dates and the diet, uh, in terms of um, developing um, multicoloured church is really helping church leadership teams in discussions and reflection uh, on how to earth some of this multicoloured church teaching and thoughts into their local church that we want, We want This isn't just about running, um, you know, evenings or conferences or whatever. Actually, it's about meeting local churches and hopefully um, facilitating dialogue and prophetic provocation on the ground at a local setting. The church, the local church is the hope of the world. Uh, We obviously uh, don't have all the answers. Well, I certainly don't have all the answers. But I do have a lot of faith that God will move in those more intimate friendship and leadership and authentic settings so email jubilee Ch- church Decide if you'd like uh, one of us to join you um in one of your leadership set- settings or sunday mornings if that is of help um already we have a few of those booked up um but we haven't quite got to do one yet so um who, I, I can't remember who the first guinea pig will be um And finally, in response to the questionnaire feedback that you gave us earlier this year, we are proposing to create a space where we gather leaders from different ethnic groups a few times a year with the aim of, if you like, fast forwarding the release of multi-ethnic leaders into our churches. Although our heart is for every ethnic group church member to thrive and be released, the key to this, I believe, is leadership often starting with our eldership or wider core teams. We will liaise with uh, eldership teams about who would be best on these groups. We'll do that through email. If you like, the the river will change the wider landscape downstream when we focus upstream on significant influences, men and women full of spirit, of the spirit and faith. Who are these people? We need to find out. We really need to find out. And so these are some of the things, along with our up and running uh, Multicoloured Church uh, Facebook group, that hopefully we'll be able to engage you and learn from you as church leaders. That is really our heart. I believe this engagement and discussion is about learning together about what God is doing in our churches and his wisdom to us through the experiences he's given us, and um, particularly in our UK congregations as we navigate multicolored church. You probably, if you've, if you've seen me before, you probably know my favourite quote, Dr. John M. Perkins, Christian minister and American segregation activist, now actually in his 90s, phenomenally came to the conclusion. He said this, there is no, there is no institution on earth more equipped and capable of bringing transformation to the cause of reconciliation than the church, you and me. But, he said, we have some hard work to do.
1: My name's Simon. I'm, I'm part of uh, Jubilee Church side, And uh, I, I've been at part of the church for 20 years or so. Uh, and I'm on the team of elders that we have at the church. Um, and I've prepared something tonight, um, really as a summary uh, for another church who, who asked, us to um, come and um, do some uh, training and equipping with them. And and they wanted really my reflections as, a, as a, a white British leader of being in a church where we are looking to reflect the uh, diversity and the, the different cultures that we have within our church, as well as raising new leaders from different backgrounds and different cultures. When I say leaders, I don't just mean senior leaders, actually, I mean, leaders from in, in in all of the church, uh, you know, influencing their own communities, influencing our community at large, um, inf- uh, small groups and house groups, different parts of the church. Um, so these are my reflections, really, um, summarised of of being involved in leadership in Jubilee for about sixteen years, um, and over that time we've we've kind of been known locally, really, as a as a diverse congregation. And I've kind of based it on six things that I've learnt, And and the way I phrased it is that I'm still learning. Um, And I think we've always got a little bit further to go, haven't we? And I think with every mistake that I make, I learn a little bit more. And so we're still all learning on this journey. Um, And so the first and most important point, um, I think, which we would all agree on, um, is that I'm learning that ethnically diverse churches around God's heart they really are when Paul writes to the Galatians um, and uh, he tells of how he opposed Peter and um, some of the others when they were giving in to some of the ethnic divisions between Jews and Gentiles and he says this he says "Um, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the gospel with the truth of the gospel I think that tells us doesn't it That unity in the church of different ethnicities is absolutely in line with the truth of the gospel of God's amazing news to you and I and for you and I. Because if I'm not convinced of this, I can be tempted to just think, well, all we're doing really is trying to fit in with the, you know, today's culture and trying to be a bit more diverse in that way. But the more I read the Bible, and the more I see that right through it, from Genesis to Revelation, this is God's heart. I realize this is God's heart. (laughs) Secondly, I'm learning how to communicate with people from other cultures and other nations. Uh, I don't mean simply just language, learning a few words that will help, although that obviously is be really helpful but i mean learning in those ways different people communicate you know and in many cultures food and your time communicates much more than what we might think i remember one sunday um myself and a friend going to pick up a new kurdish couple in our town to bring them to our sunday meeting we arrived with a little bit of time to spare uh, and they spoke very little English so I thought well we're not going to be able to communicate that much. Um, When we went up into their flat to make sure that they had everything to go to the church that morning we entered their living room and before us was a beautiful Kurdish breakfast spread on the carpet ready for us to enjoy with them. I really thought that taking them to church in my car um, was communicating our care for them. However, what they really wanted was for us to sit down that morning and eat with them beforehand. Everything in me said, we just need to get there. We need to get there. Don't you know it starts at 10.30? But we stayed and we ate breakfast and it was delicious. And I think it communicated something much more to them than just getting them to the meeting on time. I've also learned that when communication goes wrong, it's likely that it's my fault and that I haven't communicated properly. Um, I think I might have communicated, but I've communicated in my Western British approach to communication which is this, I've asked you to do this, you've said yes, that's probably what's gonna happen. But maybe that person is hearing something totally different. I could tell you all sorts of stories of where I've got communication wrong. I suspect you might have your own as well, Um, but we don't have time for all those stories this morning. And some of these points, you might just be thinking, they're really, really obvious. Well, maybe it's just taken me a little longer to learn these things. Thirdly, I'm learning to take more risks with people. Generally, as Western British churches, for those of you who are from Western British churches here, we're more risk-averse. We tend to avoid taking risks. This is a challenge, and I think it's an even bigger challenge when it comes to um, ethnic and cultural diversity. It's going to take taking risks on people who might not completely think The same as you do, who might only be around for a shorter period of time due to having moved to move for visa or uh, asylum or for work issues, who might pray in a different way, who might not preach with three points in the allotted standard time. But I think if we're too safe, we will only raise people like us and build a church like us. fourthly fourthly, I'm learning that I have cultural blind spots that I need others to point out to me a friend of mine recently told me a story of her visiting um, a local African majority church in our town and uh, the leaders of this church were telling her that they wanted to reach out to more um, local mainly white people um, in their area of Middlesbrough and as she was visiting this meeting of theirs, um, she, she said, one of the things they're going to have to do is learn to serve tea and coffee. Because all they seem to serve at the end is fizzy drinks and squash. And if they want to reach local white people, they're going to need to serve tea and coffee at the end. And it made me think, um, what are those things that we do that put people off, that are put, putting people off connecting with our church? with Jubilee. So I, I've been asking my friends from different backgrounds and cultures. It's fascinating. It's surprising. You know, they say, you seem to be, you seem to be more concerned about time than, than hospitality sometimes. You want to be so informal in some things that it can sometimes look like carelessness or the, and you're not taking those things seriously. Fifth, I'm learning that everyone is at different stages with all this. As a church, we might be at a particular stage, but a church is made up of individuals, and individuals may be at different stages in their thinking around this, and that's okay. Some people really get this one new man in Christ thing, and they're able to cross cultures and speak and befriend other people, people from other cultures. Others find that more difficult. But the way forward isn't really to to shame people. It isn't to force people into it. It's to invite them on a journey, and invite them on a journey that's going to involve misunderstandings, and mistakes, and sometimes upset upset. But really, that's how we grow, isn't it? So if you're really passionate about all this that we've been talking about tonight and praying about, sometimes it can we can feel the frustration, can't we, of how others how others might not be. But I want to encourage you to rejoice and thank God, even for the littlest of changes in people, because that means that God's doing something in them. And I've had to learn to do this. I thank God that someone I know in our church who really is culturally northeast through and through is becoming an advocate in our church for our teaching and our preaching and our media stuff to be translated into other languages to help those people who don't speak English. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Sixth, finally, I'm learning that I won't be comfortable and content with everything that goes on. And that's a good thing. I read this in a, a book a few years ago. And it's a quote from a, um, a, a church pastor in New York by the name of James Forbes. And he says this, A truly diverse congregation where anybody enjoys more than 75% of what's going on is not thoroughly integrated. So an integrating church is characterized by the need to be content with less than total satisfaction of anything. You have to factor in a willingness to absorb some things that are not dear to you, but may be precious to some of those coming in. So you can have a diverse church in the people that come to it, but it might not be diverse in the way things are done. It's much better to be an integrating church where where what you do is a reflection of those diverse cultures within your church. And that's going to mean things that just feel, well, culturally different to you. Maybe ways of praying, maybe ways of worship, maybe ways of doing things like baby thanksgivings and baptisms and weddings. It's not always going to be always to my taste as it were but that's okay in fact that's more than okay if we're going to be truly diverse it's vital that it's not 100% to my taste or to your taste so okay there's six things that I think I'm learning and I know there's many more but I hope they've maybe been a help to you or a stirring to you this evening you might even want to chat put in the chat things that you're learning and uh, just write them in the chat. And we can share them too. Um, the things we're learning as we um, go on this journey of being multicultural church together. So thank you for listening.
2: Um, thank you, Simon, for that brilliant presentation. And uh, this evening, I, I just want to follow up on what Simon has already said to us. And have a, a dear friend of mine online, Sam Akresu, who is an elder in one of the churches. And then going to be asking him some questions. Basically, from this point of uh, an African arriving in the UK and becoming an elder in the church, how did he get this motivation to accept a call to be an elder in the church? I mean, briefly, myself, I remember in uh, 2000, I was in UK for the first time and I attended Stoli Bible Week. And I stayed with a friend and then he attended a, a, a very small church. And then I went to church with him on Sunday. And after the Sunday, the elders said to me, Oh, we don't have a, an elder here. Would you like to stay here and lead us? I was so frightened that I wanted to disappear from the church. That moment they asked me the question, I just can't bring myself to Lead an all English, all white church, so I declined the offer and then I left for Ghana. But uh, Sam and I were in the same church, first church in Accra. I was a pastor, and he joined the church, and I helped to disciple him to become a pastor in the church before I left to plant the church I'm leading now. And then he happened to be back in the UK, and normally when Africans come to the UK, it's either to seek greener pasture or just get a good life, come back home, build a house, and live a comfortable life, not to go and serve God or do anything, because they think they're in a different culture. So, so when Sam arrived in the UK, I don't know what he wanted to do, but one scripture that guided me, that changed my mind, was in Acts 17, 26, where he says, God began by making one man. And from him, he made all the different people who live everywhere in the world. He decided exactly when and where they will live. So I said to some, I don't think you're in the UK to just make money and come back home. You're a pastor, and I think God wants you to plant a church or to lead a church. I'm sure straight forward he said, no, I'm not thinking about that. when I said, I'm convinced that God decides where people should live at a particular time decide where they live and their time so if you're in the uk at this time i think god's plan for you is to continue as a pastor and advance his kingdom so that was my motivation to start talking to him and now i'll just try and ask him some questions to see so you all listen to him how he changed why he changed and what he's doing now so sam are you there with me yeah can you can
3: you all hear me okay?
2: Yes. Oh, brilliant okay can you briefly tell us who you are married children where you are in the UK and what we are doing yes
3: yeah, so my thanks Michael and um, hello everyone my name is Sam Akressi. Um, I'm originally from Ghana I'm married to Claire we have two sons two very active boys uh, Jedidiah who's eight and then um, Zachariah who's six they are both Keen footballers as well, so you might well be seeing them on your screens at some point. Um, but yeah, we we live in a town on the southeast coast called Bexhill on Sea. We currently are based at King's Church in Hastings, and um, I serve as one of the elders at King's Church, which also has a venue in Bexhill. Okay, yeah, so uh, I
2: I knew you know. Uh... Conversations in the past. When I said, I think God wants you in the UK to be a pastor, you said no. But now, why did you change your mind? What, what happened?
3: I well, I suppose so I served as an elder in the in the church, then New Frontiers Church in Accra. And then when the seizing in Ghana ended, and we a bit like Abraham and Sarah, God called us out. I to be very honest, I didn't think. I was going to go into eldership again here. I very much felt it was a case of uh, my wife and I and the boys coming here and then maybe quietly serving in the background and not necessarily getting involved in any form of church leadership. Um, and so, yeah, so like you rightly said, I wasn't particularly looking to get into that. And then I suppose God had other plans. Um So the guys who were leading the church felt that there was a need to draw us in. We felt that God was in it and uh, just went along with God's plans, really. So initially, that wasn't the plan, but clearly God, God had other plans of drawing us into eldership again. So this is eldership part two. (laughs)
2: well that's very good because it's a discipleship part two for me Happening to disciple somebody in Ghana and now having to try to help him to survive in the UK it's a fantastic journey Michael yes and uh, I remember going back going to Ho to plant a church and we were with me in Ho as well it was very good. Maybe this divine connection continues. Yeah. <laughs> but absolutely. when the elders approached you and said that they want to draw you and play to eldership, what were your fears and what were your challenges?
3: Well, I suppose, I mean, one big one for me was obviously the unfamiliar. I had come from the very familiar, was now in the unfamiliar. I, I wasn't too sure whether I'd cope. I, I, I didn't know whether I'd be accepted. Um, I didn't know, I didn't know the people, I was going to be leading well, Um, up until then there had never been a non-white person at that level of leadership, and so I was going to be effectively the very first, you know, person to come through, non-white person to come through at eldership level, I think it was scary, I'm just being very honest. I remember chatting to Dave Holding and, um, and saying to him, I'm not too sure about this. Uh, and he was just really encouraging. So that sort of like obviously got me to look in the right direction. And I suppose, yeah, Michael, my, in my many conversations with you as well, I found those really encouraging. And ultimately, just knowing that God was in it. But it wasn't very easy. It was very much unfamiliar. And like I said, I just didn't know whether I'd be accepted. Uh, whether I'd be welcome you know by the rest mm-hmm. of the church uh, but that's a completely different story today yeah
2: yeah uh, what, what what would you say are the some of the differences between being a pastor in back in Ghana and now a pastor in an English church what what things are different and what things are similar interesting mm-hmm. question
3: I I suppose
2: the essence
3: of the role is the same. And so you're helping shepherd the people of God, you're helping serve the people of God. So the essence of the role is the same. The expression, obviously, is different. I find that uh, in my local church here, people care more about time than people. I've come from a place where we care more about people than time. And so if I'm walking up the street and I met somebody... I would gladly stop and chat for 20 minutes and wouldn't worry too much about time. Whereas here, I find that it tends to be, oh, it's time, it's time, we need to move on and all that. So just the whole concept of, um, of time. I, I came from a, a country where worship was like exuberant. We would dance and jump and shout and sing and, you know, whereas here, it's very much reflective. Uh, Not to say there's anything wrong with that, but it's very, very different. Um, I uh, also, I suppose, uh, find that, again, in Ghana, there was a real sense of community where everyone sort of like knew each other's business and people were in each other's homes and just, you just, you basically, you just turn up. You didn't have to book any appointments. I tried to do that here, it hasn't worked well and um, hopefully we can change the culture a bit, but I found that in Ghana, people would just turn up, you know, so you just hear the knock on the door, the next thing you knew, somebody was in your fridge and helping themselves to, you know, like food in your fridge, or they were in the kitchen, helping themselves, and I find that here, I need to try and then book some kind of appointment, get something in a diary, you know, three months in advance before we can, uh, we can, we can do something together. I suppose there are Um, A a few other things as well, but I I think those those are the ones that come to mind, I I guess, immediately. And it's just different cultures, different contexts. But like I said, the essence of the role is the same. And so it's to do with learning to just navigate these differences. And at the end of the day, just ensuring that you're serving the people of God and serving God's purposes. I don't know whether that makes sense. Um, But yeah, in a
2: nutshell. Yeah. So back in Ghana, you were also a worship leader. Are you able to lead worship here? Ah, I don't know whether I can get people to dance. Um,
3: I have have tried in a few prayer meeting contexts and all that. So, you know, like to start a song and all. But like I said, it's very reflective here. I haven't started any exuberant praise and worship songs as yet. Um, Hopefully someday I will. But I have, in the context of, say, prayer meetings, small prayer meetings, where I've sort of, like, started a song. Uh, but I haven't done what I used to do in Ghana here. Uh, that might cause a bit of an uproar, I'm guessing. We, my wife and I have managed to get a few people to dance on a Sunday morning, which is brilliant. The whole atmosphere changed, you know, during sang worship. It was absolutely brilliant when my wife actually started dancing and she got some people involved and it was, it was glorious, um, yeah, so we, bit by bit, we are, with God's help, <laughs> changing the culture. <laughs>
2: are, you in, are you imposing African culture on them? No,
3: <laughs> no, I think a heavenly, a heavenly culture, uh, it's so, we, we're not trying to build a British church, we're not trying to build a Ghanaian church, I think we want to build a church that expresses Jesus in all that he mm. is, you know, a multicultural church, a multicolored church that expresses mm. the wisdom of
2: Jesus. Yes. Mm. Mm. Thank you very much, Sam, for sharing all this with us. And then maybe we we will talk to you some other time when we need you to come and help us share this experience with us. Thank you it very has, much. And I'm glad you've arrived at this position to accept leadership and then not to build African culture here, but to build biblical culture.
3: (laughs) It has been a real pleasure. Hopefully church planting soon, see where God takes us. But yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much for having me.
2: Thank you, Sam. Thank you for coming.
4: Okay, thank you, everyone. And please give me a wave if you can hear me. Um. Yes, that's that's good news. Yeah. Um. So as um um uh, Sam and Michael and Simon, they already covered lots of things. You know. Say. Um. So I won't be going through many things. So actually, that saved a lot of time. So I born and brought up in India. Um, so twenty eight years lived in in a Indian context. Um. And uh, married to a white woman. Lived in Cambodia and moved to Sheffield. Um. Uh, in 2010 and never been to europe never lived in a outside in a western context at all and uh, uh, landed in a white middle class church but this is very important this is not the review for city church sheffield so this is what i'm going to share my personal journey and talking to other people uh, similar to my journey and uh, how leaders can be part of um so what 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 actually God wants us to see in a uh, majority church context and how we can celebrate uh, God together. So it's really helpful to hear Simon's perspective and his journey and Sam's uh and Michael's journey, you know. So, in terms of how racing, I think that covered the real uh life scenario of uh, what people are, are facing. So let me go to some uh some key uh points um and as a journey. Um, so I'm coming from a community, um uh, a kind of uh, life background because uh, celebrating life together families church means family church means uh, like uh, you can go to anyone's house at any time and if you someone knock at your door at six o'clock if you don't say this is our dinner time this is not our family time you know sorry uh, this is when you say this is our family time the question means who am I then So I'm not part of your family, you know, so uh, it's it's always there is an individualistic element of uh, uh, barriers constantly I faced um, in terms of when I uh, came to a UK context. Uh, But in uh, Ben Lindsay, um, in his book, um, We Need to Talk of Race, one thing he clearly mentioned that uh, leaders set the culture. You know, so uh, it's really important uh, when uh, whatever needs to happen in a context, when you have an intentionality from the leadership uh, that makes a huge difference culturally it will help you to integrate and adapt you know so as leaders this is my uh you know one thing you want to take today and always remember that leaders is the culture you know so so as long as you have a room created by the leaders that will enable uh people like me to to integrate in a church uh, very very easily and with struggles at the same time there is always room for growth and uh, sharing life together one of the things things Jesus mentioned in John 10, 27, you know, my sheep hear my noise and I know them. So, um, so when I was growing in, you know, so my leader know me, uh, you know, so she know me inside out. My calling and my journey, my personalities, and everything is very different. As Sam mentioned, you know, when we are coming into an individualistic society, um, it is very much compartmentalized. The meetings are just based for uh, for uh, to sort out some issues or some planning. A meeting, so health and safety reviews or risk assessment or finance. So it's always a budget or planning. You know, so rather than the friendship and fellowship and enjoying God together was a really Struggle doesn't mean that um, it, it it many things were ungodly. Now practically uh, the way people uh, growing in their cultural context is really imbo- important. So Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them." So He knows them uh, individually and uh, intimately. So the, this is the the struggle in terms of do uh, you know? So, so do I know? I think yeah, w- will I be known? Uh, all the aspects of my life, because there's lots of compartmentalization that was really, really challenging. In terms of personal life, ministry life is different. So, you, when even in access, everything is in common, uh, it was a challenging in an individualistic society. Um, that's one of the challenges I faced. So, but, uh, you know, so uh, uh, so uh, that's the context I was uh, landed. It's not just, um, I'm just saying, it's not just church context, that's a cultural context I, I faced. So, um, I've used, you know, people listen to me. a a bit more you know in terms of uh, creating a safe place rather than emails i hate emails because english is my second language when somebody's sending a big email with the points i i will faint you know i i just you know i can't get up you know so sometimes i have to give to my wife can you read this one what are they saying what is the conclusion or or sometimes she said oh he's fine they're happy with you Okay, that's, a. but I thought they are angry with me. Okay, so what do I need to do now? Or you send an email. No, I can't write an email, please, you know, so it is a struggle thank god for whatsapp i can record i can record a video and send and communicate you know so i think that's a godsend miracle god created for me whatsapp there is a voice recording and video recording because there is a facial uh kind of expression body language can be expressed in a face-to-face context is much effective please don't use emails for people from say english as a second language it won't work it causes lots of confusion and problems but you need. To sometimes we need to use, um, um, you know, so emails are really important. So my, the, the the main point is create a place for face to face communication. And third thing is a uh, intentionality in discipleship and friendship. Uh, in our group, Raj was mentioning uh, one of the things. You know, people are so scared about tokenism or political correctness. Oh, we don't want to be uh, do things in a political correctness. The, at the end, we never do it. Or oh, we don't want to be tokenistic. We never do it, you know. So we go to the other end rather than taking risk, you know. See, so even uh, um, and as Stephen was mentioning in his church context, you know. So when the church was growing, he was asking, or they were intentionally asking people, "Can you pray in your language, please?" In 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 English context, you know, in a UK context, uh, would you please? Oh, we don't want to invade their privacy. We don't want to do that one. But in a ethnic minority context, that is an invitation, that is an honoring thing. When somebody compels you, that means you really love me, you really want to do that, you know, so you're giving the permission, you know, so you, um, so that is one of the cultural context, you know, the intentionality and invading uh, uh, your private space means you do really care rather than give them space, you know, so that's one of the things, you know, so you, I, uh, I understood, you know, so it's not intentionally people are trying to give space, that's the cultural context. So I need to work around to, to, to understand how to overcome that one. So, Paul, uh, uh, if you look at the life of Jesus, you know, so he was very different in terms of he spent time with people, ate together, slept together, traveled together, and they have fun together, and they prayed together. They did everything together. For us, Diary driven, twenty minutes, six months appointment. I need to go another more minute. Project um, in budget and. I think I was say like it, we are kind of an institution, I think like landed in a, everywhere, you know, just like you not know, the church everywhere, uh, because the time is precious, and the relationship is less and less important, and the meetings end up in for just for the sake of uh, running things. Um, uh, that's the way I felt, you know, I felt I need real relationship issue relationship to the one um, so three things uh, uh, from Timothy you know said so like a, there is a parenting relationship he said my true son the other one was a pace setting uh, stage was there and uh, that was through relationship again you know what I teach how I live uh, wh- what my purpose in in my life uh, and you know my faith my patience my love my endurance you know so I really ask this question now, I think, I don't know. So a, there is a disconnect. I can't say that about myself to other people or to, to myself, do they really know me? So I struggled in, a, in an individualistic, in a cultural context to grow because uh, 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 do they really invest in knowing me? Because most of the time the conversation end up in uh, practical things. Recently, I was talking to someone. They said, listen, they are after my skills, but they never talked about my calling or what God has called me to this country. I was really shocked, you know. This person very actively serving uh, in in for God's kingdom, and he said, "Listen, I know one thing. I noticed that when I come to the Western context, people quickly call you for their skills, but never invest in in your in your in your calling and what God has inputted in your life." There's no time for that. Um, in uh, Michael's, uh, uh, I'm going to finish now. Uh, Michael said to Sam, "You need to be a leader. You have a calling, and uh, that that is not pushy, forceful things. Because he, Michael knows Sam, and that is like a Paul was talking to uh, Timothy. Fan into flame the gifts God has given in you. I want to see that one, but it." That's no that kind of relationship um aspect is so important when people are coming from different ethnic background, intentional input into people's life, and identifying their calling and uh, recognize and repeat to them. We can see that one. How can we part of what God is doing in your life? The last one is denial and blind spots, and we set high bars for preaching music, theological expression, and we think we got it all because we got the 54 different type of translations, we 330 million books in multicultural. We have for podcasts to YouTube and, and everything, and it it is one of the most declining uh, church growth in the whole world that's in Europe, when God is multiplying churches outside and let's see what God is doing among other cultural contexts is something amazing. Is that the time we should pause and learn from one another so that we can see the fire of God in our cultural context? So and so that we can celebrate God together uh, in the coming days and uh, uh, coming months. So I'm going to stop here now um, so the final point is from Raj. I'm stealing um, involving people in shaping our worship, our preaching, whatever we do. Even if we have one person from one ethnic minority background, bring them in and ask questions. How can we help you to be part of that? Involving people in decision making will will be an eye opening opportunity and enable us to shape how 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 can we serve um, our in the coming you know how God wants to lead. I can see that once this is 12 past 12 we already talk about how much we are precious about time so I'm already uh, you know just like a contextualized to be precise in my timing that is my um, seven minutes 30 seconds I'm stopping now. <laughs>
5: Oh, that was amazing thank you so much blessed there was so much so much encouragement and and challenge um in that as well but we've made it through um to the end of the evening i hope you've been encouraged and blessed and i hope it's really given you um food for thought and things to be thinking about back in your home um, church context but i'm just going to hand over now to stephen who's going to dismiss us with a word of prayer um, I, I was just asking jesus how how, how in prayer Finish uh, this, uh, and, and, and we've, we've talked about lots of challenges in multicultural church and lots of blessings uh, in the multicultural church. And and one of them it reminds me of Revelation twenty two, uh, that the end of the day, the end of the story is there is a tree that bears fruit, which I think is the fruit of the spirit: love, joy, peace, patience, grace, and all this. Um, and these leaves are used to heal the nations, yeah? They're used to heal the nations, so, so that's the end of the story where everything is perfect, but we want that now, don't we, we want that, so I'm going to pray for more of that, more of the fruit of the Spirit in the church, love, joy, peace, patience, risk, faith, um, for the nations to worship. Lord Jesus, we, we, we just thank you. That's the plan. Father God, we thank you. That is the plan. The plan is for every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And all these challenges and all this, this blessing um, is, is, is comes in the perfect. But we want it now. Uh, we, so I want to pray for our churches to have more faith than this, this. More fruit of the spirit of patience kindness, um, um, grace, mercy, uh, people oriented just love uh, in our churches um, that just give you glory through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the nations um, in our churches, in our countries, in our world will see this and use it as leaves of healing balm. We, we pray for this we pray and we thank you so much for the way that you talk to us so we just pray we want more of the nations more of your glory in our churches more leaders um, more diversity more kinds of worship um, more kinds of preaching just just things that give you glory and that just say that you are god and lord of the nation we thank you for being this. and we praise you and we shout hallelujah You are Lord, you are God. Well, thank you so much for everyone for being part of um, this Zoom tonight. I hope that's been helpful and um, and do be in touch by the email. Um, Thank you so much. Good night, everybody.